And a very good Monday afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Hope you had a great weekend. Very, very pleasant afternoon down here at the waterfront. A little breeze blowing. It's just like a, a picture-perfect kind of July summer day. Unlike, say, Saturday, which was just unbearable. And uh, by the way, I uh, walked over to uh, Bob Loblaws there and uh, got some uh, lunch about an hour ago. And uh, while I'm in there combing the uh, aisles, uh, I hear, you know, the grocery store music. I hear Glenn Fry's The Heat Is On. And I'm just wondering, like, is that coincidence or uh, do you think they do that on, on purpose just because uh, we've been in the, the middle of this blockbuster heat wave? Maybe it's a maybe it's a strategy to get you to buy more freezes. Yeah, well, look. Right. Remind you, it's hot in summer. Hey, look at that. You got your carbonated water. <laughs> I, I did buy the extra large bottle of Perrier while I was over there, so apparently the suggestive cell worked. But, uh, yeah, I, I just kind of caught that in the background. I was like, oh, come on. As if it wasn't hot enough uh, this weekend. I now have to listen to Glenn Fry's The Heat Is On. Uh, Jackie, how did you cope with the heat Saturday? Were you okay? I was great. I was in Barrie babysitting my nieces, so we stayed inside mostly, except when uh, my four-year-old niece wanted to go on the trampoline. But she then uh, fell to the ground and said, it's too hot and tired. I have to go inside. Now, did uh, she say that <laughs> with like a sweaty brow in her hand or her head going, oh, it's just too hot? She's pretty dramatic, so it was pretty yeah. close to that, yeah. But she's so cute. It was great i just spent uh, my day inside basically ac cranked to 11 yeah my yeah. sister's ac is insane it's like a polar vortex in there and you know really when you're spending your sister's money why not crank that air conditioning to 11 i say uh, not yeah. actually we turn <laughs> i ended up turning it up later in the day because uh, it was so cold <laughs> dust how about you dusty's in the control on the controls today uh, how'd you cope with the heat saturday no, i was also on the controls on saturday oh so, okay. um i was uh, right in here and for the bulk of the the hottest part of the day I yeah was, see people don't understand what you do over the soundboard but it's like a uh, flipping mac at Burger King or at uh, McDonald's, isn't it? I mean, it's like being over that soundboard is like being over the hot grill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Isn't that yeah. like, I mean, it's just there's a lot of pressure. You got to make sure all the levels are right. And there's, there's like heat emanating from the board. It's it's a tough gig, particularly on a really hot day. Oh, for sure. I was, I was sweating. <laughs> I was sweating in here. Just giving it. Uh, not surprisingly, I was on the golf course Saturday. And it was an early round. We teed off uh, just before 8 a.m., and it was pretty good, although kind of halfway through around 10, 10.30, you could start to feel the heat just, uh, you know, raining down on us and uh, taking hold. I was very happy at 12.20 to exit the golf course, go into the clubhouse, and pretty much stay in air conditioning for the rest of the day. You get a good round in, though? Yeah, actually, thank you. Uh, it was a pretty good round, shot a pretty good uh, score. But uh, you know what it was, was uh, I didn't notice that uh, when you're around grass, when you're around trees and you've got shade and a little bit of breeze blowing, even though it is uh, stifling hot and 40 plus with the Humidex, it didn't seem bad. It didn't seem uh, maybe as bad as uh, here in the city, which uh, got us to thinking about uh, Toronto and uh, what we've done, if uh, anything, to try to uh, heat proof this uh, city. And does Toronto get unnecessarily hot when we see these really uh, high temperatures, uh, 45 uh, with the Humidex in the so-called uh, heat dome? Let's uh, welcome in Matty Simiotiki. He is uh, with the uh, University of uh, Toronto. He's an associate professor in the Department of Geography and uh, Planning. And he joins us now to discuss further here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Uh, Matty, how are you and how'd you cope with the heat on the weekend? Hi, Jeff. It's nice to be with you. Uh, Saturday was unbearable. Um, my kids went swimming. Uh, they uh, with friends uh, to uh, cool off that way, and 
my wife and I were in the backyard and around the house enjoying air conditioning inside and just some shade in the backyard. So just trying to uh, stay out of the beating sun as much as we could because it was really hot and the humidity was unbearable. So when you were in the backyard, much like when I was out on the uh, golf course, uh, did you find it uh, at least bearable if you were near some trees, uh, grass, uh, had some shade and a little breeze blowing? I mean, I felt a big difference between being out on the course, Maddie, and then uh, back in the concrete jungle in the city proper. Being uh, near uh, vegetation and near trees uh, and also in the shade is, is key. And it's interesting. Our own personal experiences uh, at the micro level really aggregate up to what uh, is experienced for an entire city. Uh, what, what research shows is that where there's more green space, where there's tree, uh, tree canopy and coverage, uh, it's actually quite a bit cooler, and you can measure uh, that difference of, of coolness. And we see it across our city that the areas that are the most vegetated, that have uh, uh, trees uh, and a breeze, they tend to be uh, quite a bit cooler uh, than where there's more concrete and asphalt, which uh, absorb uh, more of the heat and then reflect it back and, and create these, uh, this heat island effect. Yeah, so uh, Maddie, I know we've talked uh, before, and I know the city has uh, talked about to maintaining and preserving a green space as uh, we continue to, to grow, and we see all of this, uh, particularly uh, condo development in the city. But uh, have we done enough when it uh, comes to maintaining our uh, vegetation, as it were, our green space, and making sure that the city remains as cool as possible? The city's green space is really under a lot of pressure. We've seen reports recently about the ravine system and how uh, it's not as vital and vibrant as it, it had been in the past, that there's uh, the tree canopy is not as strong across the city. Uh, so this, uh, this issue of, of green, uh, of, of the treescape, uh, we might see it just as aesthetic, uh, but actually it has a really important uh, effect on uh, health and on, on the uh, livability of our city, uh, especially when it comes to heat and controlling uh, the, the heat island effect in, in town. So would you recommend, do we need a tree planting program uh, in the city here? Are, are we doing uh, enough to make sure that we've got enough trees, not only for today, but uh, down the road? The city has a tree planting program. and rules about trees and uh, developers uh, quite about, but it is an important part of, uh, of, of the city planning uh, uh, regulation um, uh, in, in, in the city. Uh, I think we do need to keep doing more. We need to keep planting trees. We need to maintain uh, what we already have, uh, both because of the environment and uh, it's good for livability as well. Yeah, Manny, I also wanted to uh, ask you about uh, asphalt and what we're doing when it comes to uh, pavement and uh, paving in the city. Uh, I saw a really interesting story uh, Saturday night on a newscast uh, regarding uh, Baltimore and what the city has uh, done there, that uh, where it's possible they're walking away or moving away from asphalt because obviously it's black and its properties actually uh, hold heat in and can really increase the uh, overall temperature of a city. Yeah, there's some really interesting examples. It seems so uh, so simple, but actually in places like Los Angeles, they're running pilot projects just to paint the asphalt white, uh, a lighter color that uh, doesn't absorb as much heat and doesn't reflect as much of it back out into the environment. It's not just the streets, it's also the roofs, uh, tar roofs, uh, which are black as well, uh, and there are programs around the world to paint those white. So even something as simple as just getting out there with a can of paint uh, and changing the color of some of our infrastructure uh, can actually make a difference when it comes to uh, how hot our cities feel. And as our, our cities uh, and, and world uh, warms, this is going to become increasingly important. 
Yeah, in New York City, I know they have uh, coated more than uh, 10 million square feet of rooftops with uh, white reflective coating over the past a decade just to help with uh, the heat and heat absorption. Uh, not only that, but I think they're also incentivizing uh, developers to uh, plant uh, roof gardens, more green space uh, on uh, rooftops as well, all in a, in a hope to uh, reduce uh, heat within the city. Yeah, these are the types of programs. Here in Toronto, one of the, the policies that came in is that buildings, tall buildings couldn't have as much uh, windows, uh, window space to try to um, uh, minimize how much of the heat comes into the buildings as well so that we wouldn't have to use as much uh, cooling uh, and air conditioning that some more that could be naturally uh, cooled. So we're starting all these different policies coming together, recognizing that heat is actually uh, not just uncomfortable, but in certain circumstances really dangerous. Um, it's, it's now uh, from a natural uh, uh, disaster perspective, it's now uh, a significant cause of death, actually the most, the largest cause of death of any type of, uh, of uh, environmental impact. So we're starting to see uh, globally that, that cities are, are, are really trying to get uh, to grapple with this issue and bring policies in place uh, that try to mitigate uh, some of the heat island effect and try to make people more comfortable uh, when they're living. Yeah, Maddie, can I get you to explain a little further for us about uh, glass buildings and uh, why we want to reduce the amount of uh, windows in some of these uh, condos uh, we're building? Because I think most people naturally would think, well, if I live in one of these things, I, I want to have windows. I want to be able to, to open them and get some uh, fresh air. And, of course, uh, windows, I'm sure it's the uh, view and the scenery. It's the biggest selling point. But why are some cities uh, limiting the amount of uh, windows on high-rises? Well, it, it has to do with the heat and cooling in the in in the buildings. That when you have uh, more glass uh, space than than when the sun uh, hits them, it just comes in and it really heats up uh, the units and takes a lot more energy uh, in order to cool them. Um, and the seal is not always uh, quite as good with uh, windows. So if you've lived uh, in a tall condo as I did uh, when I first moved uh, to Toronto, what you experienced was really a whistling of the wind coming into the building in the winter, and in the summer it was just blazing and boiling hot in this building, um, which didn't which had a, a, a wind. some of the policies so that uh, not as much of a, a, such a large percentage of the outdoor um, outside wall can be to come up and try to mitigate some of that impact of uh, the heating uh, and, and the sun beating down into these elements. Listen, uh, sorry, you're cutting in and out on us a bit there, Maddie, but I know of what you speak, being in a high-rise of myself. You're absolutely right about the uh, whistling and the cool drafts in the uh, winter, and it does get really, really hot in there on a day uh, like, like Saturday when you live in a building that's uh, pretty much completely glass. Uh, just finally, uh, before we let you go, Maddie, uh, do we need to start to rethinking the shape of cities uh, themselves uh, moving forward. I was also uh, reading something that uh, talked about how we've got the suburbs and uh, people, of course, are uh, driving into uh, areas like downtown Toronto to work and uh, driving home that if... Uh, you know, we had more of a mixture of, I guess, uh, retail or work uh, landscape with a living uh, landscape that would uh, cut down on the amount of people who've got to travel and on uh, emissions and such. Yeah, it's all interconnected. And I think in our cities, you know, a lot of these issues seem to be theoretical that, uh, you know, whether whether it was uh, warming uh, and how hot our cities are or flooding issues, uh, these all seem to be a bit abstract to people. And I think in recent years, you're starting to see them become very tangible uh, with the, uh, with the uh, Don Valley Parkway flooding uh, and the islands uh, flooding and now this issue around heat. We're starting to realize that, that this is now very uh, urgent and we need to get a handle on it. And mixed 
use uh, uh, planning that brings people closer to where they uh, work or um, or recreate so they don't have to drive as much. I mean, but also a lot of heat as well. And I think it's important to keep in mind, too, that heat and effect is not equal, that the amount of green space across our city is really uneven. And in many cases, the lowest income areas also have the least amount of green space in the hottest parts of our city. So as we're planning for how our city we have to think of how we ensure that all parts of our cities are getting the green space and also that people can live, work, and play and walk and they work all in the same types of locations. And this has to be equally distributed uh, right across the city. All right. Great discussion coming out of a pretty big heat wave over the weekend. Maddie Simiatiki with the University of Toronto. Uh, Maddie, uh, stay cool, both uh, figuratively and literally, my friend. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jeff. You too. Okay. 117, we'll get a break and we're back here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.